Welcome to the 186th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Jeffrey Diamond, author of the mystery thriller novel, Live to Air. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Jeffrey Diamond, author of Live to Air, a thriller novel set against the world of television news. Jeffrey, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me today. I'm, I've been really looking forward to this for quite some time. Um, and uh, I guess we'll get started by having you read read a, a, a portion of the book. Yes, that'd be great if you could read two or three pages from Live to Air. That sounds great. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to read a little bit of chapter number one, which introduces Ethan uh, Benson, who's the hero in the book. And chapter one follows a prologue in which there is a drug deal that goes goes bad, a gun battle between two um, rival syndicates in New York City, and a young socialite who's found dead on the street right near the gun battle. And that kind of sets up the entire mystery for the reader. And this is chapter number one. It was oppressively hot, the air thick and sticky, a late July thunderstorm rumbling in from the west. Flashes of lightning streaked through Ethan's bedroom, followed by loud claps of thunder and heavy raindrops. He lay quietly watching the light show and listening to the cacophony of sound. Drenched in sweat, he looked at the clock. It was four o'clock. After carefully pulling back the covers, he slipped out of bed. Standing naked, he stared at his wife, Sarah, and watched her shallow breathing, marveling at how she could sleep so soundly with all the noise filling the room. He kissed her on the nape of her neck, pulled on a red T-shirt and a pair of blue jeans, tiptoed across the floor, and gently closed the door. Ethan Benson was a tall, handsome man, standing a little over six foot three, with blue eyes and curly black hair that he wore short and neatly trimmed. A touch of gray showed at his temples, and a handful of age wrinkles circled his eyes. Sometimes brash and sometimes stubborn, he was outspoken and at times even arrogant, but his warm and charismatic personality was endearing, often stopping a conversation dead in his tracks when he entered a room. Yawning, he walked down the center hallway, cautious not to make the loose floorboards creak, and opened the door to his son's bedroom. Luke was fast asleep, his yellow Labrador retriever, Holly, standing guard next to the bed, her tail thumping rhythmically on the floor. He smiled, brushed a lock of hair from the little boy's forehead, then carefully backed out of the room. As he made his way to the kitchen, he felt restless, unsettled, his mind cycling through the same nagging questions that had kept him awake all night. What's wrong with me, he thought, worried. Is it my job? Is it my marriage? Is it something else in my life? Why can't I sleep? Frustrated, he made a pot of coffee and continued to his study, flipping on the lights and casting the room in a warm glow. Newspapers and magazines were strewn about his desk, documents stacked in huge piles on the tables, 
and a half dozen large ashtrays overflowing with cigarettes. Plopping down in a worn leather chair, he grabbed a bottle of Motrin for the pounding in his head and tried to remember how much scotch he'd consumed before going to bed. Was it three glasses? Was it four? Was it more? Christ, he had to get his drinking under control. Rubbing the bridge of his nose, he decided to check the headlines. An award-winning producer on The Weekly Reporter, a television news magazine on the nation's number one network, the global broadcasting system, Ethan was the consummate news junkie, never wanting to miss a big story or feel out of touch. He turned on his computer and began to read. The price of oil had climbed $2 on the British Mercantile Exchange, threatening to drive up gasoline prices at the pump. Congress had proposed new cuts in military spending to balance the budget, and a Palestinian terrorist had blown himself to smithereens in a crowded marketplace in Jerusalem, killing 27 and injuring a score more. They were all breaking news, all important, all his kinds of projects. He sighed, knowing the show would never program any of these stories, now only interested in rapes and murders and high-profile sex crimes, tabloid topics he abhorred to the bottom of his heart. What had happened to real journalism, to real reporting, to his thirst to discover the truth? Was that why he was hitting the bottle so hard? He poured another cup of coffee and clicked on his messages. A dozen emails had landed in his mailbox. Most were unimportant, clutter for mid-level management. But as he scrolled through the list, he noticed a message from his boss, Paul Lang, the executive producer of The Weekly Reporter. How had he missed that one? It was flagged urgent, response requested, and had been sitting in his mailbox since early the night before. Ethan took a long drag on a cigarette, angry at himself. He should have checked and answered before going to bed. He opened the message and read, Ethan, where are you? The senior producers and I haven't heard from you in weeks, not since your last story aired. I can't run my show with my staff when my staff is AWOL. I'd like you in my office tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. sharp. I have a high-profile story I need you to produce. Let me know if you can make it and be there on time. Ethan read the message a second time. It was just like Paul to question his productivity. Ethan had been cranking out one blockbuster story after another, and there was nobody on the staff any faster. Am I in trouble? Should I shoot him a quick email and tell him I'll be there? He thought, scratching his head. He can't possibly be awake, not at this hour. I'll wait and call him when I get to the office. He clicked off his computer and walked back into the bedroom, but decided he might wake Sarah if he climbed into bed. So he slipped on a pair of loafers, picked up Holly's leash, and headed out for some fresh air. Great. Well, if someone listening hasn't heard about Live to Air yet, how would you describe your new novel? Well, you know, it's a it's a murder mystery, and it, it's set in the world of television. And it focuses around uh, Ethan Benson, who is a producer, who has spent his whole career doing really one major investigative story after another. And he is assigned to a crime story that 
has made headlines in New York for months. Um, and a young woman whose name is, um, you know, who is the daughter of the deputy mayor of New York has been murdered. And a young man, part of a gang named Pavel Theodore, has been convicted of the murder. And what Ethan uh, sets out to do is a story about the murder. He's assigned to it by his executive producer for his show. Um, and he, in doing his story and going through the different processes that a television producer goes through in telling a story, begins to discover bit by bit that the person who's been charged with the murder and convicted of the murder didn't really do it. And this is the mystery of the book. You know, it's a murder mystery in which a television reporter functions as a crime-fighting sleuth and figures out who has done the murder, how it happened, and why it was covered up. And that, that I think, really sums up what the book is about. Well, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing Live to Air? Yes. Um, you know, I, uh, I was a television producer for many years. Um, and, you know, I, during, during the entire time I was producing, I worked at ABC News 2020. I did an enormous number of crime stories. Um, and I've met an enormous number of really interesting people in doing them. You know, I've, I met a number of rapists and um, white collar criminals and murderers. I even did a story about a, about a serial killer. And during the time I was doing this, um, I also was constantly reading. Um, I'm a voracious reader. I read a lot of murder mysteries, a lot of novels. And as I was winding down my career in television, I began to think more and more about what I was going to do after I stopped producing. And um, I looked at all of the stories that I'd been working on for 2020 during the last few years of my career. And I began to wonder if I could um, write a novel based on what I did as a television producer working on a television news magazine. So the impetus for the story and the um, origins of the story were really built on a number of different things. They were built on the fact that I was constantly producing crime stories for 2020, constantly reading murder mysteries and wondering if I could take a kernel of my experience and turn it into a book. And that was really the impetus, you know, of, you know, of the novel itself and why I wrote it. Gotcha. Well, I know it's popular these days to blame the broadcast media for a lot of ills. And, and personally, I think that oftentimes that blame is, is misguided. Do you think there are things that the general public don't understand or misunderstand about how, how broadcast news is generated and packaged? Um, yeah, I, I think people don't fully understand just how much time and effort and work goes into doing a story for a television show like 2020 or Dateline NBC or um, 60 Minutes. And just using um, what I did as a producer um, and using 
a crime story as an example, because this really is the basis of my book and the way the book unfolds as a story. And it really mirrors the way I produced stories, you know, for 2020. Um, and Ethan Benson, my hero, in discovering the truth, really takes the reader through the process that a producer goes through in telling a story for a news magazine like 2020 or Dateline NBC or 60 Minutes. And what I mean by that is that when you're producing a story for a television show, a crime story, you go through, at least I went through it the same way virtually every time. Um, I would either pitch the idea into the management of the show and it would be would be bought as an idea, or I'd be assigned a story. And I, I would then go through the process of reading everything I could get my hands on about the story in newspapers and magazines. And as I did that, I would learn about the basics of the story and who the key people are and what happened and where, where it took place. Um, I would then pick up the telephone and begin calling the key people involved in a story and I would go, I'd, I'd meet them, and I'd learn a little bit about what they did. And I'm talking about the police officers, the, the prosecutor, the defense attorney, um, the family of the victim. And then I would very gradually put my story together. But in telling the story and in trying to figure out how I was going to present it on the air, and this is what Ethan does in the book, he gets his hands on the court docket for the entire case, whatever's public record. And he reads through every document very carefully. That's what I used to do. And in reading through the documents, you would really get to the specifics of the case and how a prosecutor put it together and how a defense attorney tried to defend it. And um, what Ethan does in terms of, of my novel is he begins to see inconsistencies in the court docket he finds little pieces of information that are different from what the prosecutor is telling him or the defense attorney is telling him. And as he does his digging, he begins to figure out what what really happened and how this young woman was really murdered. And this is what producers do in television. They very carefully analyze every fact before they go on the air and tell a story. Um, and what... I tried to do in my book was use this kind of scenario that a producer goes through in writing a murder mystery um, that focuses around the television news business and a producer, uh, Ethan Benson. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm curious um, about your own story as well. How, how did you end up becoming a producer? If you could talk about that um, uh, process for you, for you. Well, for me, it was a long process, you know, getting to be a, you know, a full producer. Um, I started out right after college, um, and I started out at ABC News, um, at, you know, at the very bottom. I was what, what's called a desk assistant and a news assistant. That's another way to explain it. Mm -hmm. And during the course of about seven or eight years, you know, I very gradually learned uh, the process of producing, how to tell a story, how to do reporting, how to work on the telephones, how to direct cameras, you know, in the field, mm -hmm. how to work in an edit room, 
um, how to write a story. And it was, you know, a very long um, process before I became a full producer um, and began actually um, coordinating the, an entire production. And on a show like 2020, where when you're producing a story, mm -hmm. you work with a whole team of people. You don't do the whole thing yourself. Right. And as a producer, you kind of manage the whole group uh, of individuals. You manage researchers and associate producers who help you with logistics. You work with a correspondent or an anchor person who does the interviews and collaborates with you on the storyline. And you hire cameramen and soundmen and editors to put your piece together. And, you know, it's a process that as an individual, you learn over the course of time. And, you know, I just discovered after I started at ABC that I, I loved it. And, right. Um, I, uh, I uh, continued trying to um, learn as much as I could and do as much as I could in terms of um, producing. And right. you know, I've worked in a lot of different areas, doing a lot of different kinds of things. It's very exciting, and it's, it's a lot of work, as, as you're well aware, but it's, it's a very exciting life. And in my book, um, Live to Air, I try to capture that feeling you know, as, as a producer. Gotcha. Um, so are you planning to write more Ethan Benson novels? You know, I've already written a second one. Um, it's basically finished, and um, it's called Live to Tape, and it is it you know it it um, it basically um, has the, the same characters in it as the first novel, and it's also you know a murder mystery, and it follows Ethan as he goes about. Um, putting together a story and discovering once again that there's something missing in the documents and there's something missing in the outcome of the, you know, of the trial and there's something missing, you know, in, you know, that everybody does not know about, about the murderer. And, you know, so it follows the same basic, um, structure, but it's, a, it's a different story. You know, it's about a psychopath, a sociopath, um, you know, where, whereas live to air is about a man wrongly accused. Right. Well, well, you said that you are always a voracious reader. And I'm curious, as you wrote live to air, were there things that you learned along the way about writing a novel versus being just a fan and reader of a lot of thriller and mystery novels? What was that process like for you of, of writing a novel for the first time? Well, you know, that's a really interesting question. Everybody asks me that. Um, yeah, as a television producer, you know, you're basically writing scripts. You know, it's basically nonfiction. You know, it's not, it's not storytelling. You're not dreaming up an idea. And I did read an enormous number of authors during my life. And I, I love murder mysteries. I've read virtually every book John Sanford has written, every, and every book that, um, James Patterson has written. And during the course of reading those books, um, you begin to see different patterns that each author uses in terms of telling a story. And you learn different techniques that different authors use. And when I sat down after I left ABC um, and started writing, 
um, you know, I had to learn how to write, you know, as a as a fiction writer versus writing a nonfiction writer, and that was a very difficult thing for me to do, uh, because when you write for television and you write as scripts or nonfiction, you are telling your audience who's watching um, your story exactly what they're supposed to know. So you're you're um, very carefully laying out every element of your story. When you write fiction, you have to tell your story in a way in which your reader is learning it as your characters are learning it. So you're showing your readers what happens, and you're not telling them what happens. So this is kind of a long way to say that the authors I read, you know, as I was working, helped me in terms of learning the bigger picture of how to how to write a book. Um, and what I had to do was figure out how to change my writing style so that it fit fiction versus nonfiction. That, for me, that was a very difficult, long process to do. Um, you know, it, you know, it, you know, it, it wasn't something that came natural. Right. Right. Well, as someone who's a, a voracious reader, are there books or authors that you've read in the last year or two that impressed you and that you would recommend? Yeah, there, there, there are quite a few. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm really very, you know, when I, when I read an author, sometimes I, I'll, I'll read an author. I always read an author in the order they've written books, especially in terms of murder mysteries, because the main character in murder mysteries evolves over the course of, you know, of, of the writing and evolves from one book to the next. Um, I just read all of the Joe Nesbo books. Um, and he, his, his main character is, is a, detective named Harry Hole, and he's fascinating. You know, Harry Hole is not a perfect individual. You know, he's got a lot of flaws, and, you know, um, it's set in Norway, and so you read a little bit about a different part of the world, and I find that Nesbo's books are, are, I can't put them down. I start to read them, and I just sit there until I finish them, and so Joe Nesbo is one author who I, I really really like. Um, I mentioned John Sanford before. Um, he writes a detective series about a, a Minneapolis homicide detective named Lucas Davenport, and his style is completely different than Joe Nesbo's, but it's just really interesting. And you know, his and I've I've interviewed him before, by the way. <laughs> People can go back well, and look I'm for sure that. He's wonderful because his books are just extraordinary. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 he also uh, he also had an interesting career prior to fiction. He he was a, a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, a newspaper reporter for many years um, before he turned to fiction. Well, he he really you know to me at least he just he's really captured that whole world and you know his his detail in terms of laying out a story is amazing. Um, I just read his latest book, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. You know, he, the book is all, uh, I think it's called Gathering Prey. We'll give him a little bit of promotion here. Okay. But it, it's really quite excellent. Um, but, you know, so he's another author I really like. And, and I like Michael Connolly. Um, and, um, you know, his, his novels are, are, are quite 
quite good. Um, his main character is an L.A. detective named Harry Bosch, also very quirky. So there's good backstory in each of these books. But I, I've read a lot of these authors, and in reading these authors, you know, I learn a lot. I learn about, a lot about how to tell a story and how to pace a story. And you need to have a big twist at the end of, of every every murder mystery to make it satisfying, I think. And I learned a lot from these different authors about how to how to do that. Um, Great. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say those are three, three or four of the authors who I really like a lot. Great. Well, if someone is interested in learning more about you or live to air, how can they find you online? Well, I have a website. Um, it's www.jeffreyldiamond.com. And so, so there's quite a bit about me on my website. And if you punch my name into, you know, into Google, a lot of my stories come up, stories that I, that I produced for, you know, for 2020 and other shows. So you can actually watch some of the stories I did online. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Jeffrey Diamond, author of Live to Air, a new thriller novel set in the world of broadcast news. The novel is available now, so go grab a copy and read it. And Jeffrey, thanks for doing this interview. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it, Jeff. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.